Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 79 of the Speaking Club podcast. I've got to be honest with you, although I work hard to present a professional face to the world, as you may have gathered if you're a long-term listener, or you know me, occasionally the mask slips to reveal the big kid inside. And that big kid finds the topic of today's podcast, poo, hilarious. I even do a set about women and how we go to great lengths to hide the noises we make. Anyway, whilst the message of this show is serious, it's very valuable and it's important, I couldn't miss this opportunity. Welcome to the Speaking Club Podcast, because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching, and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Hey, sorry about that. I just, I couldn't resist. Anyway, let's get on with today's show. Now, my guest, Catherine Brooke McKenzie, had a difficult start to adult life and she spent years abusing her body to cope with the emotional pain she felt as a result of that difficult start. Eventually, she found her way out of that spiral and has been working in alternative therapies ever since. Based on the problems she's seen and treated as a colon hydrotherapist, which is what she is and has been for the past 15 years, she feels that we need to start talking about poo and she is on a mission to make it happen. And as well as getting great health tips in this show, we are also going to discuss Catherine's speaking journey because she's tried for years to become a public speaker and uh, but less and even less than 6 months ago she hated just saying her name at a networking event but all that has changed and she's going to share how she's already done three speaking engagements yeah and she's going to uh, share how she got over that and also the way that she tackles this taboo topic of poo and gut and all that stuff good enough of me let's cut over to the interview Welcome to the show, Catherine Brooke McKenzie. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I know, and this is actually, um, this is a live one. We are sitting together looking at each other, which is an unusual thing for the speaking club. Most of the interviews are done over Zoom, so it's really nice to, to have you here in the flesh. And so it's very nice to be here. <laughs> Good. Good. Okay, cool. So I've mentioned a bit about what you do, but in your own words, I'd love you, if you could, to share your journey to how you kind of got to do what you do today. Ah, right, okay. Um, well, the simple answer really would be that I think complementary and alternative health interventions pretty much saved my life, ah. which sounds very dramatic, I know, but it is in its way true. Um, due to some, I'd say, painful circumstances that occurred in my childhood and mid-teens, I found myself kind of off the rails as a young adult, making poor choices for my life, mm -hmm. uh, which resulted in many mental and physical health challenges. And conventional medicine didn't seem to have the answers or the understanding for me. And uh, and also medication, which is pretty much all I was offered, um, just made me feel worse, right? So uh, I kind of sought more natural ways to make myself feel better. And I was so impressed by the changes that I experienced that I decided to train myself and am now qualified in several dis different disciplines in complementary medicine. Cool. So, so tell me a bit about, I mean, we don't need to know the sort of ins and outs, but, you know, you're obviously in pain, sort of your life wasn't on track, it wasn't where you wanted it to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you when you're desperate, you you you, can, you reach out for anything, and you'll do whatever you can to dull your pain. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was sort of alcohol and and other things, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just not taking care of yourself. And of course, that results in long term physical problems. So I had uh, constipation. I used to get migraines, dreadful menstrual problems. I was very depressed. Um, yeah, you know, life was, it was a struggle to get through every day. But you were really working was. at the time, weren't you? Things were, you were, from the outside, people oh, may not have known. I absolutely, yeah. No, no, it's, it's a good point. Yeah, because you think when you, when you tell that story, a person might be kind of in the gutter. And I wasn't, I was still functioning. I was going to work and holding down a relationship of sorts. And um, yeah, life on the outside kind of looked normal. But inside it was, it was turmoil, yeah. And, but, and, but, but that turmoil was manifesting itself in physical... Uh, symptoms as well as the sort of mental side of things. Yeah, so that's what so. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, and so you got offered pills, they didn't work. It, it, it always feels to me like masking the problem. Mm. You know, I mean, I think there's a, there's a time and a place for them. Of course there is. Um, but as a long-term solution, when you're thinking about this as like the age of, say, 18, 19, and you think, where do you go from there? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it didn't seem like a solution to me. It was just a mask. And some part of me must have known that it wasn't going to be an answer. Cool. And so you tried some alternative therapy. How did you find out about these things to even try them? How did they sort of come into your life? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think things do, if you're, if you're paying attention, things come into your awareness. Yeah. Um, I think the universe kind of tries to guide you, really, yeah. to find what you're meant to find. And um, in truth, I cannot remember how, how, how I came to find acupuncture Actually, that's a lie. Um, I can remember a friend of mine who was going out with a guy who was studying to become a chiropractor. Uh-huh. And a clinic that I knew as a chiropractic clinic had an acupuncturist. And that was why. And I went to see this acupuncturist to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. So stop smoking and stop drinking because they, they're a very good marriage. Um, what, like yeah. immediately? Like you went, what, was one session? Or uh, was no, this like. I don't the... know. I had, uh, it was like auricular acupuncture, which is when they, they put the needles in your ears. Oh. And um, yeah, so I did that. It was four sessions. And it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't like switching on the light. I still had to, to do some work myself and be quite disciplined about it, actually. <laughs> it's because I paid the guy 100 quid and I didn't want to look like an idiot. So I didn't make it work. <laughs> uh, this is going back 20 years, yeah. So, so that's uh, like, what, what, about £1,000 now? <laughs> yeah, probably would be, yeah, right. Um, so uh, yeah, that's why I thought, you know, I need to make this work and it, it you know it did and of course the other acupuncture that he gave me as a supplementary support helped me with my self-confidence and um self-esteem and anger I had lots of anger um yeah straightened me out and I just thought this is what I want to do this is what I want to do you know for other people so I then went off to acupuncture college and uh trained for three years wow. and then set up quite yeah several successful practices yeah Okay, so so the, you, you qualified in acupuncture. That's not yeah. what you do today. So from acupuncture, what happened next well, to sort of get you to where you are? What happened there was that the um, I felt that the emotional stuff was kind of a lot straighter for me, and I was better in myself. And I would wake up every day and feel like I could embrace the day rather than you know not wait for it to end. So um, from that, I still had the I think the, like the feeling of physical pollution in my body so I could stand in the shower and wash and then the minute I stepped out from under the water I still felt dirty mm. and I kind of had this idea like what can I do I, I just I thought you know if I'd um the amount of cigarettes I'd smoked and god knows what else I'd done to myself I felt guilty about my body and um I thought if I could take my lungs out and wash them and stick them back in and have them all fresh and clean I would but of course you can't do that no. but you can do that with your colon 
So um, I thought, wow. <laughs> I thought, oh, I have a colonic. That's a great idea, like you do. Um, and uh, there was a lady at the, one of the clinics I was working at as an acupuncturist. There was a lady there doing the colon hydrotherapy treatments, and I <laughs> thought, yeah, I'll do that. And um, and I did, and I was so frightened. I mean, you know, white knuckle ride out of out of body experience, frightened. But um, I went anyway. Yeah. And uh, the first time, I think the, the the thing for me was is the vulnerability that you feel um, of revealing yourself in such an extraordinary way. Because having a poo is usually a pretty private subject, right? <laughs> Most people do it behind a locked door and hopefully when there's no one else in the house. And try and make it as quiet as, as possible. Quiet as possible, yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly you're lying on a couch with a you know, hose up your bum, doing it in front of somebody you've just met, which is a bit of a departure from the norm. And... Um, yeah, nothing kind of came out for me during the treatment. It all came out, sorry if this is too much info, but it all came out <laughs> in the loo afterwards. And uh, I went away feeling proud of myself for doing something that, that took so much courage. And I did feel a whole lot better, but the real game changer was the next treatment. So um, I went along to that probably a couple of weeks later with a, a bit less trepidation, but still some fear, I guess. Mm. And because I think I was over the hurdles of what I thought was going to happen, like, you know, is it going to go all up the walls? Am I going to embarrass myself? You know, the, the, all the stuff you think, like it's going to yeah. be smelly and it's going to be uncomfortable. When it was none of those things, the um, my body, I think, really got on board with the process and just cleared everything out. I mean, I won't go into too much detail. Thankfully, it's not a visual. Right? <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I, I came out of that treatment and just felt like a, just like a different, you know, almost like a different person. But what happened then in, in the... Uh, reception area when I was writing my check was I overheard two other people who were having a conversation which was nothing to do to do with me and one, one referred to another lady saying that she never felt like she belonged mm. which struck a chord in me because of my the stuff that happened to me when I was younger and I just started to cry and I cried for many many hours and it was you know almost like an emotional purging to go alongside the physical release yeah. that I'd experienced which, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't comfortable, and I didn't really understand the, the, the process at that point. How, how old were you at that point? Oh, I would have been about 30... I can't think how old I was. About 34? Okay. 34. Um, yeah. Um, I sort of hadn't joined the dots up, if you know what I mean, and it kind of... It was it was quite a thing to go through. And I went to bed that night thinking, <laughs> oh, blimey, I'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, but when I woke up the next morning, I really did look and feel like a different person. And I felt unburdened. I felt like, you know, things like, you know, the, the look in my eye was different. My skin was different. It was it was an extraordinary... It was like an epiphany. It was extraordinary. So um, there you go. I, I packed up my little spotted hanky on a stick and went to Colon College, which... Colon College? I'm assuming that isn't actually no, the name. Really what it's called. But it sounds quite cool. It does. <laughs> <laughs> So well, off I did, and, and of course the the acupuncture thing is what facilitated my doing that because yeah. you have to have a degree in a body based therapy or it's like um, your gateway um, drug into yeah. this world in a way yeah yeah, yeah. or the, uh, the, the 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 qualifications that facilitated this next step right um, and so yeah there we go and I went off to do that and uh, that was fifteen years ago and never looked back. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I, I've got to be honest, you know, I've heard you tell, you know, we've talked about this before, and the thing that absolutely just like, you know, I've told you before, resonated, like, resonated with me. We talk about sticky messages and things like that, but being able to take your 
you know, the idea of being able to take your stomach out and clean it and put it back in, you know, like you said, you couldn't do it with the lungs, but with your stomach, just, it all, it really blows my mind that mm. it's, it's such an opportunity that you don't get to do with any other part of your body, really. I don't think you've got that opportunity to sort of have that deep cleanse that, that you can get. And, and, you know, I want to talk to you a lot more about the connection between, you know, the, the colon, the stomach and, and our gut yeah. and our life and all that good stuff because there's a big, a big connection. But yeah, well that, thank you for sharing that. So I guess, you know, why, you know, there's a lot in what you've said that gives us a clue as to why you're so passionate about poo. And I think, you know, I, I've mentioned, you know, that link, but could, could you sort of share why you're on a mission now, aren't you? <laughs> you've sort of turned another corner in your life, I think, and you want to talk about poo. Um, <laughs> but why? Said very few people. <laughs> but why? why? What, what's, what's pushing you? I think it had such a profound effect on me and that, 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 the, the connection, again, between my emotional well-being, you know, yeah. that, that kind of wanting to jump out of bed in the morning and embrace life rather than feel like you're just dragging yourself through it. Yeah. I wonder how many people, you know, live their lives like that. Yeah. And I feel like with the, the knowledge and experience that I have um, could certainly benefit more people if, mm. I, if I share it. Mm. It's not to say I've got all the answers. I don't believe that for a second. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's just such a connection between our mental welfare, what we expect from our lives, us realising our potential as human beings and how mired we are with, with, with the, how we continue to carry around our... Yeah, <laughs> I actually said the word crap there. <laughs> oh right, thanks. I can, I can say crap. Um, you know, there's so many connections um, b- between it. it. It's like how much, of, how many of us just accept a kind of like a mediocrity when when we could be capable of so much more? And because the, the it's the body that keeps the score when we have uh, difficult experiences in life. It's not not the mind or the you know even the brain. Let's say it's if we work on the level of the body, the subconscious, then we've got a greater chance of. of cleaning up the mess and um yeah and and bringing more 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 you know life to our lives it's just actually while you just said that and i've, I've got a, a question that i want to something i want to ask but what popped into my head i don't know if you've ever read the book or seen the film picture of dorian gray but dorian gray is a guy who is he's young and he's handsome and he he lives a hedonistic life and and basically he makes a deal with the devil he wants to be able to continue you know living his life but without it having any effect on his looks and he doesn't want to age and everything else so what he's got is this portrait in the attic of himself in his you know they had it done when he was in his youth and dorian gray because of this deal with the devil as a person he never changes he looks handsome he looks young he it doesn't matter what he does to his his body or himself or to other people he looks young but his picture in the attic is decrepit and he so all of the stuff that he he does to himself and the 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 sort of things that he does to other people they're showing up in this portrait in the attic and it kind of makes me think from what you said is like all the things that you said that our body's keeping score like the inside we may not even see some of the external effects but inside we've got our own dorian gray stuff going on that we are perhaps not even aware of um but i don't know like it just popped into my head it's worth it it's a really good book oh it's it's a great uh, the book is is brilliant but um 
Yeah, you could, there's films of it as well. But I mean, the thing that I was going to say as well is that you know, there's your you've seen the impact of it on your own personal life. But in that 15 years, mm. I would imagine that you're so passionate about it because you've seen the impact of this stuff on other people. But in terms of you working with them, you know, the yeah. sort of before and after, have you got any sort of stories that you can share about clients or just you know, so, so the impact of you know? the problems that you've seen and people put up with or don't even because they're not even aware of it well I think it's like anything until you've endured it or suffered it you probably have very little understanding but um, I see uh, quite as you'd imagine quite a lot of um, very constipated people and it's funny how um, what we can normalise so um, I saw a lady relatively recently who was just backed up like Heathrow Airport (laughs) baggage handed a strike and uh, you know she'd actually even had to admit it herself to hospital she was in that much pain and that much trouble and uh, started to work with her. Bless her. She was, it was. She was great. She was. She was good during the treatment. And um, <laughs> this poor lady who's went from like pooing once a week only with intervention, so laxative intervention. Um, she emailed me the next day. I get some very interesting emails, as you can imagine. Um, and she'd been for five poos the next day, and then three poos on the Saturday. You know, I saw her on the Thursday. Five poos on Friday. Three on Thursday. Uh, three on Saturday. Sorry. And um, she just. You, you just feel. When, when your bowels don't work, I mean, it, it's, not the, it's not just the, the, the physical feeling, it's the, it's the muzzy-headedness, the feeling that you, you kind of misrepresent yourself. You've got, no, you've got no energy, there's no freedom in your body. You feel kind of just trapped with a problem that you can't share. Yeah. Because nobody does talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Nobody does. You can't go into the office. If you had a headache, you could say, well, I've got a bit of a headache today. Sorry, I don't feel myself. But you can go in and say, sorry, I haven't had a poo for a week. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, you can't go to your manager and say that, can you? No. And um, so part of really what I want to do is to get this subject kind of out there and, you know, give it a platform, give those give those kind of people a voice, if you like, or yeah. to get the subject more acceptable um yeah to, to, to help those people out in the, in the mainstream and there is this connection between um emotion like, you know i know before or whatever it is and exp- something that i'm gonna do that is making me anxious or nervous or you know that sort of outside of my comfort zone straight away you know we'll be straight to the toilet you know we'll, it affects our gut and our and, and that sort of side of things and you can see it in, in those sort of those extreme situations, but we don't realise that, that you know every day there's stuff going on mm-hmm. in terms of our system working efficiently. And and I guess there's also a lot of myths out there. People don't actually know what's good and what's bad because we don't talk about it. It's yeah. it's an issue. <clears throat> um, are there any myths about poo or guts or anything like that that you you can dispel for us? Obviously, as we just said, I've seen many people that uh, suffer with constipation um, and they poo once or maybe twice a week if they're lucky. And it, and it's really not OK. I mean, I've seen people who've obviously been to, to GPs and stuff and they say, well, that's just a natural pattern for you, you know, having a poo once a week. Ah. I don't I don't personally don't support that. Um, I think a poo is like an essential part of a bodily process which should not be denied. Yeah, you know, it's like you, you couldn't ex- you wouldn't expect the sun not to go down at the end of the day. No, you know, it's like the closure of something. It's the end of something, and we you know we need to be paying attention to that. Yeah. Um, if you're not doing it, there's a reason, and that reason needs to be identified. You know, it's quite often it's it could be psychological. It's people just look to food to be in the only reason that they don't poo. 
you know, or, yeah. or they poo too much. Everybody yeah. just goes straight to their diet. And that has an influence, of course it does. But um, there's also a massive psychological, emotional... I mean, look at my own experience. Yes, yeah. Um, and like you said, this, the example of stress that you just gave when you've got something that's challenging you and then you're going to end up in the toilet, you know, five yeah. times before you have to do it. Um, and that can have the opposite effect as well, depending on what the what the origin of the stress is. Yeah. Um, and, and again, like different parts of the nervous system sort of kick in. So sometimes if somebody's in emotional um, stress, perhaps... I can't think of an example really that would help, but their bowel will do the opposite. So some people go to the toilet a lot more and, and some people will just shut down, nothing will happen. Is that the same as like people who, because we, when we are going back, you mentioned eating, but some people when they're stressed will comfort eat, some people will stop eating. Is, is that kind of in some way similar? Our bodies may react differently for stress depending on what on the way we are. That's a really interesting point. I'd have to kind of really go and have a look at that. Mm. But yeah, it's a good point. Mm. But the thing is, there's no like like anything to do with health. There is no blanket way of being. Mm. You know, it's like we, we all kind of have to find what works for us and what doesn't. Mm. So, so that's one myth. I'd say it's not not okay. You know, yeah. to just poo once a week. But so on a surface level, what goes in must come out, or it should. <laughs> <laughs> if it goes in, it should something could, should come yeah, out. Yeah, the world, you would think so. I mean, it's a, you're joking, but it's a really good point. And also, we think that, that again, poo is just about our, our food waste, but yeah. it's not because every cell of your body is is changing all the time, and there's a, you know, there's that's got to be got rid of somewhere. Yeah. So you know, it's really not enough. Yeah. To, to poo once a week when you eat three meals a day and your body's changing. Do you know, I know, again, this might... <laughs> I bring this up. We were laughing when you arrived today. Um, my dog, I told you, he we call him Teddy Five Poos. Mm. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But he like the like the, he's an animal, so he doesn't really have this sort of psychological and emotional baggage. And every day it's like clockwork. I take him for a walk, and he and he goes to the loo. And there's no like thinking; it just happens. And I and I think that's where perhaps humans and animals are different. Like we've got all this stuff going yeah. on that gets in the way, and animals are pretty. You know, they don't have that. And he's like clockwork, you know, it just, it, it happens. That's Unless there's point, something yeah. wrong with him, yeah. in which yeah. case th- there would be an issue. But it's, you or know... medication, medication yeah. might have an impact. Yeah. The same with babies, isn't or it? Or a change of food or something like that. But it's, it's, it is, they don't seem to have the same issues that we no. do because they haven't got all that emotional and psychological stuff going on. Going on. Babies, you feed one, poo comes out. Yeah, exactly. It's true. Yeah, you know, for for the majority, I know there's always examples where that doesn't work. But, yeah, um, cool. Yeah. And so, so we, we said, you know, once a week isn't healthy. <clears throat> so, is, would you say that really, if if you're healthy and everything's working fine, you should be pooing at least once a day? Yes, indeed. Right, yeah. you heard it here on the Speaking Club. <laughs> Might not be what you expected to hear on the Speaking Club, but, but I'm sure this also helps your speaking if you're pooing regularly. So um, we're putting it out there. We'll come to that in a yeah, bit as well. Exactly. <laughs> cool. And now we are actually, we want to, what is your three top tips for having a healthier poo, Three Catherine? top tips. Um, well, firstly, um, fluids. Because right. the bowel colon's primary function really is to absorb fluid. Um, so when the kind of like the, the food waste, if you like, it sort of appears in the bowel, it's, it's quite fluid and it's like menstruating soup. So what the bowel does is kind of like squeezes it into a poo, and extracts the water from it. Right. And so if there's anyone listening who doesn't drink enough water, this should incentivize you to do more. When you think about, you know, where does your saliva come from? Hmm. Uh-huh. If your body's re- dehydrated, then your bowel's working really, really hard to keep the balances right. 
And that is, as, as it extracts more fluid from your poo, your poos get drier, more difficult to pass, oh. contributing to the constipation pattern, and is having to recycle all those fluids. I've just had a light bulb moment. Gosh. Going to get a pint of water? Soon? Yeah, I think I will. I'll be stocking up. Because <laughs> those little dry ones are a nightmare. That's my they, Jesus. They are horrible. So I didn't, hadn't made that connection. Hmm. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. So drink fluids. Drink, yeah, plenty of water. Uh, warm water is great. Um, another top tip is your, your squatty potty, which of course is a product that's... that's uh, purpose built yeah but alternatively you can just really get a step stool in your in your toilet okay and if you whilst you're sitting on the loo if you put your feet up on it in front of you what that does is puts your body into a squat position and the reason you do that is because of course if you were out in nature mm. you know wandering about and we didn't have our aesthetically pleasing but not very good toilets mm. then we would crouch, uh, crouch or have to use the word squat which i have an objection to i don't like the word squat i think right. it's an exercise thing or not oh maybe (laughs) but so when you put your feet up when you're sitting on the toilet you kind of mimic that squat position what happens in your body is in your rectum there's like a little little piece of muscle that comes across when you're standing or sitting which sort of uh, narrows the rectum so that it takes the pressure off the anal sphincters so that when you're walking and sitting you don't have to think about not pooing yourself yeah who would want that? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, but when you uh, when you put it into a squat position, that muscle uh, moves out of the way and then enables the rectum to be fully open and what you will evacuate in the toilet will be much more comfortable and much more thorough. Honestly, try it out. It's just it's awesome. Oh, Sometimes you just look and I think, really? Where did that come from? Oh, my goodness. I tell you what, I was just reflecting while you were talking about that on when I was little, we used to go on holiday and we used to travel through Europe and when we, in France, often at the service stations, they would just have a hole. Yeah. And, all, and, and being British, and we were like, oh my goodness, this is disgraceful. Why, where's, <laughs> where's the toilet? I don't want to squat. But actually, it was probably really healthy. You were doing you a favour, yeah? <laughs> there you go. Unfortunately, though, in, our, in, our, in the UK, our, um, our muscles aren't that well developed to hold ourselves up while we're in that position. So it's a bit uh-huh. of a practice thing. Hence the stool. Get the stool for a stool. So a stool rather than a hole. So that's perfect. Excellent. Good. All right. Excellent. Number three. Number three is about probiotics, really. I mean, there's an awful lot of talk about them all the time. We see them on the TV now. Um, There's a general awareness about the importance of doing it. Um, It can be a difficult thing to to know what's the best thing to buy. It's a bit of a minefield out there. Um, But uh, I would say a good multi-strain probiotic every day will support your bowel function you know your poos the quality of your poos your immune system and of course your mood um so i'd recommend the uh in the clinic what i recommend is the just for tummies range of products okay um uh, they're in capsule form and i also recommend the microbes bio live which is a liquid because not everybody can take tablets yeah yeah so a liquid probiotic um i think we are I'm not sure we can say probiotic i think we have to say um live bacteria product okay and is that something that they people can get over the counter or do they have in supermarkets or is it something to go to a specialist for yeah uh, well you can get them on our website healthygutclinic.co.uk forward slash products okay. um that will give you a link to them okay cool excellent all right and um, and for people that are in because we have a lot of international listeners so are those products available internationally or something so a, I'm not sure what the legislation is for different yes know, different um, countries and stuff like that yeah but that sort of thing would be good the equivalent in your country yeah, would, very much, would yeah. be good okay brilliant we've talked about poo 
Uh, but this is the Welcome speaking. <laughs> this is the speaking club. So now I want to switch because <clears throat> we we've been talking about your mission. You want to, um, you know, make people aware of this stuff, and you've recently started speaking about it. And it's I know it's something that you wanted to do for a long time. But what got in your way before? Because probably it's been something that you've you've you could have talked about years ago. Yeah, I think I kind of started finding out about it about five years ago, but I just couldn't get myself over the hump. Fundamentally, it was a lack of self confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do, as, as you can tell, really believe that people need to start thinking differently about their bowel health. But I was just too inhibited and too self conscious to be the voice of the poo. Right. <laughs> So it was a big personal hurdle for me to get over to address. I needed to address that about mm-hmm. um, how I was going to present such a challenging subject to an audience in a way that it could be heard and be of benefit to them and also to deal with my own self-confidence issues, yeah? Yeah. So it's just taken a bit of time. And then I came across this lovely lady, Sarah Archer, <laughs> um, and who's, who's, yeah, helped me climb over that hurdle, and here I am. Oh, well, thank you for that. But I, So... So let's let's dig in because there are other people. So there's two aspects to the, the things that were getting in your way. One was you, mm-hmm. and the other was how can I get this sensitive and and potentially taboo subject and talk about it in a way that will work for people so that they can actually get over that and hear it. Mm. Um, so first of all, are there any tips that you can give to other people who are feeling the same way, particularly around the sort of the, the anxiety, the confidence, all of that insecurity stuff, um, to get over it and, and move forward to start speaking? Yeah, I, I think the one of the most important things which I've learned from working with you is about structure. Mm. Structure, preparation, and the use of real-life stories to get your message across. Cool. Um, because it, it's really easy to undervalue your own experience. Yes. And the, you kind of think because it's something you live with inside your head or everybody already has that knowledge or or lots of people say, don't they, well, I don't have any stories. Actually, it does, it's not like you need to tell once upon a time. It's just an anecdote or it's just a you know an actual experience that you can speak about with passion and almost relive it in your own head as you're telling it. Yes. And that comes across with a sense of authenticity and... I think your audience will, will feel your credibility yeah. around the subject because of it. So that's what I'd say is really sort of look, look at your look at your own experience and, and find little stories. Um, and I think often speakers and write, writers as well uh, spend so much time sharing the small details from their knowledge base that they make it about themselves and not about the audience. Yeah. And um, if you can present your knowledge in a way that engages the audience in their own experience of what you're talking about... Mm. Then you, it's, it's like your position of speaker exists for the benefit of the audience and not the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And I think some people get sort of hung up about that. Yeah. It's, it's like you, you imagine, I used to do this before working with you, I used to imagine myself presenting to my peers, which of course would terrify me because straight away I'd think, well, I don't know enough about this particular part or this, you know, particularly scientific stuff and big long words that don't make sense to the layperson. But it's not these people I'm trying to help. Yeah. They already have the knowledge. I want to be talking to the layperson who doesn't have the benefit of the experience and, and would benefit from hearing it, yeah? Absolutely. So making it relatable yes. to them. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And and the structure thing, so you found that helpful? 
Very much so, yeah. Um, I, I know that as a speaker, you're not you're not meant to be dependent on your PowerPoint slides yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. It's not like I'm. Not, I've been to some recently where I've just seen people reading. Oh right, <laughs> you know, death by PowerPoint. Is yeah, that what they call it? it's awful. Isn't and it, it, yeah. It, yeah, it is a bit because it's like, well, I've, by the time I've, got, I've I can read really quickly, so I got to the bottom of the slide and they're still on the first bit, and it's, it's pretty boring. Yeah, really. Um, so there's a don't do that tip. Yes. But the, I think creating a, um, a, a presentation helped to put the, that Im- the images in my head. It gave me the structure. So I don't rely on it. It's just pictures, really, rather yes. than, than tons of content. Because I know my subject. I, c- I can speak, as you know, to the cows come out of the back <laughs> too. But that's yeah. really important, isn't it? I mean, it's, you've got to trust yourself. At the end of the day, it's you, your stories, and, you know, and, and like you said, being the vehicle for... The message for the audience and you're you know you're always ahead of the audience mm. and it's just sort of trusting that the right words will come I mean I, there is a sense because you can do all the prep but at the point you get on stage then it's it's you and you need to trust yourself has that been a bit of a, a sort of leap of faith at times or yeah I, I think so it's also because you never know what your audience is going to be like I mean you can you can try and um you know predict it as much as possible but but in the end you never know who's going to be there yeah um yeah, so I think having that, that structure has been really valuable. Good, excellent. And now we've talked about poo is a bit of a taboo. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not discussed in polite society. And, and doing, a, doing a talk on it, you know, we obviously work together on, your, on, your, you know, on the talk, yeah. but what have you done to, to make the subject more palatable? And I, I, <laughs> you use the yeah, I know, I know too. Yeah, yeah. so what, what sort of thing, I mean, we've, you already mentioned using stories, but mm-hmm. what sort of things have you done? Well, um, as you say, crossing that threshold of polite society, particularly in the UK, because we're, we're done up quite tight here around the whole poo thing, um, it's, been, it's been quite difficult. Um, what I've found has really been helpful is using humour yes. and having a giggle, because it kind of takes the sting out of any embarrassment that people might feel, Yeah. which initially they do. Yeah. Uh, again, because in a group situation, it's not the, the, the usual thing we share openly and, and, and particularly at you know, first meetings, yeah? Um, so I think what I find is if, if I lead with a couple of my own personal stories, not what's things that I find in the clinic, um, <laughs> see, that's what happens. It makes me laugh just thinking about it. Um, then I find people then kind of get on board and then they'll suddenly start to share things or they'll, they'll, you know, they'll make comments and then it becomes, you know, a bit, not necessarily interactive, but they're engaged. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. So use personal stories with a bit of humour. Definitely, yeah. 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 Excellent. Okay, what else? Anything else that you, for people who have got a, a delicate subject or a complex subject or anything like that, anything else that you can, because there is complexity in what, you know, it's, it's, there's science and medicine and, you know, all yeah. of that stuff as well. How, and I think you might have mentioned a little bit about making it relatable. Have you got any other tips for, for helping people who, who want to get the message across? I think to balance the, the 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 gravity with the levity. Yeah. So it's like when you've when you've got their attention because they're they're engaged and they're kind of inverted commas amused. Yeah. At that point, then you can introduce something that has a little bit more gravity and you know it, it's it's a serious matter. Yes. Um, and that can have as, as a speaker have a lot more impact. Yeah. Because there's such an emotional shift from the ha 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 you know to the oh my god. But it kind of makes it safe as well. Yes. So if you're dealing with a difficult subject, I think that's that's the way to do it. Great. That's yeah, brilliant. That's really cool. Now you've mentioned it a little bit. You've done, you know, we've we've 
worked together you've done talks since now what is your process for getting ready for a talk now mm-hmm. well <laughs> well I, you know this is funny because i did one recently and it's, it's always important to feel comfortable and you have to be yourself yes um so i don't want to wear you know clothes that might you know make me feel restricted or something like that. so i went along in it in a fairly relaxed pair of brown dresses <laughs> and a brown top and the lady said, you even come dress as a poo. <laughs> Which I thought, yeah, thanks very much. So, yeah, wear something that you feel comfortable in. I know that, that sounds like a statement of the obvious. Um, lots of preparation, lots of practice, but not so much that you become like a robot. Yes. Um, knowing your framework, as we've already said, is, is really important. Confidence in your equipment, that's important as well. Yes. Because you don't want that kind of thing collapsing when you get there. Yeah. Um, arrive nice and early. I always take a bottle of water with me. And for me, not be... <laughs> I'm not too far away from a toilet because what I, I think I used to experience as nerves, now I realise there's a little bit of excitement. Yes. Because now that I've got over that hurdle of being kind of frightened, yeah, um, I realise that actually I'm quite excited about it. Yeah. And it's it's getting on board with seeing myself in a, in a different way. That That is the thing. It's about reframing the nerves. Now, I talk, you know, we've talked about this before and I talk Ooh. about it with... With, with clients and on the podcast it's it is it's getting your body's getting ready for peak performance mm. so it's a good thing it's not a bad thing it's reframing that stuff well what's actually happening inside your body is it's it's without sounding crude it's dumping everything that's not necessary uh, because yes you're going into a peak performance phase yeah so what happens going back to the poo thing is that your sympathetic nervous system takes over and what that does is sends all the energy in your body to all the places where you're going to need it Right. And digestion at that moment is not what you need to be doing. So it's like we need to get this out of the way now. Let's get this out of the way. Let's not, yeah, let's not kind of like uh, get, get involved in sending energy in the wrong direction. Just just get it out. And that's, what you, that's why you end up going to the toilet several times. Ah, that's really interesting. So it literally is your body going, right, we don't need this yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. You need to be done with this so that you can focus on on this performance that yeah, you, you know this yeah. whatever and i guess it goes back to you know we everything goes back to the sort of fight flight thing and that's it's, exactly what it is yeah. yeah cool and so how have the talks gone so far well it's um it been, i've been very fortunate because i've been invited to uh, speak for some really great groups yeah and um it, you know because of the subject matter i'm always very grateful that anybody's come in the first place because it's not for everybody um Sometimes there's a little reticence to the subject, I suppose, at the outset. But by the end, I've seen lots of smiley faces and lots of uh, I can hear lots of conversations being had, you know, after around the room. And that's the whole point for me is to get people talking about it. So, yeah, it's been successful, and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I find that you know, the more I do it, um, since this is a you know a, a speaking thing, isn't it? Um, I, I don't know what everybody else experienced, but initially I'd sort of get in the car and then go, oh, I should have said this, or I shouldn't have said that, or I wish I'd oh, I left this bit out. But nobody knows what you intended to say yeah. and, and what got missed. And my, um, yeah, it's because of self-attack thoughts are, are much less now going home, and I, and I can congratulate myself a lot more easily. Brilliant. No, I'm, I think you've done a fabulous job. It's been, you know, brilliant working with you. make me laugh, and that's <laughs> something that always comes up in the feedback for the for the things that you do, mm. just sort of whether you're speaking or whatever. But I do, I really do think this has got application in, you know, in the corporate world where, you know, people don't talk about this thing. You know, much as some of the things that you've told me about the gut and the, you know, like the, the, your gut is... It's an intelligent system yes. that works independently of your brain. Yes. And 
and sort of having that understanding of how important it is and how it relates to your well-being and performance and focus and productivity, all of that stuff is something that I think organisations would really value. And I hope that, you know, you do find them coming on board and, and, you know, getting you to come and speak because I think it would be educational, funny and make a big difference to to a lot of people in terms of having to being able to start conversations about this mm. stuff. So, yes, I could keep going. And uh, if there's anyone out there that is in corporate world and does, you know, have an interest in well-being, talk to Catherine, get her in to talk to your people. Good. That's brilliant. And how do you feel now having overcome that fear? And it was a palpable fear, wasn't it? Very much so. Yeah. How do you how do you feel now that you can do what you've always wanted to do? I feel really proud of myself, actually. Okay. Yes, I do. Um, I, I think I said this earlier that I, I know the knowledge and experience that I have is of no benefit to anybody else if it spends the rest of its life in my head. Yeah. And um, others may well be helped by um, me sharing my message. Um, hopefully, they'd be encouraged to seek uh, support for themselves with yeah. an acute situation rather than leave it to be a chronic one yeah. because they take longer to fix. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it has taken a lot of courage. Um, <laughs> bit of a punchline coming up here. <laughs> bit of courage for me to overcome my fears around the whole thing around public speaking. But um, I said, if you want to live well and add value, you have to have guts. Absolutely. And That's my message. Really. And, and has, the, uh, has the confidence that you've got from speaking spilled over into other areas of your life and business do you but, think yes it has it has i mean i think i communicate differently ah, okay. um i feel more established as well and when i when i speak about um you know the clinic when people ask me questions i mean it's as little as six months ago when i was in a networking group and i was, I was sat there you know just dreading the moment when it came around to me for me to just say my name and, and what i do I, I can't believe that's the same person and that's in six months yeah that's so when you apply yourself to this stuff, because the thing is you have to expect, if, you, if you're nervous about something or frightened by it, it's no good expecting one day to wake up and not be frightened. It's, it's just to think, okay, I'm going to be frightened. This is how it feels when I'm frightened, and that's okay. I'm never going to get over this unless I get into it. Yeah. You know, you, you, what is it, what is it, you, you have to go through, you can't go around. Yeah, you've got to get, I mean, this is the thing, you know, what, you know, working with me, working with anyone, reading books, you know, you can have all the knowledge in the world and you can know exactly what to do, you, but you'll never, take, you'll never take away the fear. You just have to take action and trust. I mean, I guess in some senses us working together gave you some additional support that, you know, like to, to, to help so, you, yeah. but... You can do it yourself as well. You can, you know, people have done it listening to to this podcast. But don't expect it to be fear free. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And I hope, you know, I want more people to speak. But I wouldn't want to delude people into thinking that, you know, having a process, even a structure or whatever, having a story is is going to take the fear away because it it won't. But you know, the more you do it, the less fear you'll have, and you'll have amazing results mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, cool. Well done. I'm yeah chuffed to bits. I'm really looking forward to seeing you out and about spreading the word. Now, Catherine, I have some standard questions for you before I let you go. What is, and we might have covered this, but what's the best thing that speaking has done for you so far? Oh, gosh. That was a, I don't know what to say for the best. I think it would be about confidence. Yeah. My self-confidence and self-esteem. That's for myself, but, but for it's giving me the opportunity to yeah, reach more people and then hopefully help more people. 
Excellent. Okay. And what's the what's the worst? Has there been a worst moment for you so far when you're speaking, or has have you, you know when you did when you because you did try before, didn't you? It didn't you didn't sort of you tried speaking before you got I some did, coaching, it didn't work. Ago, yeah. You know what is is there been a worst moment for you, a worst gig or? Um, well, I think uh, when I, when you and I started working together, you said you know go and book a, go and book a, a talk. Um, because that would galvanise, you know, you can always put off what you're frightened to do. Yeah. So, yep, I put a date in there and, and got a, a little a speaking gig. <laughs> and I was, because it was my first one, and I was obviously very nervous, and um, it was uh, one of those situations where I couldn't park anywhere close to the place. I had to walk three miles. It was really hot. I'd taken all this equipment, got myself in a proper stew, and when I got there, no one had turned up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was standing there all ready to go and there's like looking at a sea of empty seats uh-uh. which you know I didn't take personally because it was it wasn't um marketed by me or anything like that um but yeah I took a photograph of it anyway because um I thought this is my starting point absolutely and I'm gonna look re- reflect back on this in a year's time and think yeah that's where I started and um that won't happen again and it hasn't since. No, it hasn't since. And no. it won't. I'm, I am very confident about that. Excellent. Okay. Now, what's the one book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? I'd say then it's Bruce Lipton's Biology of Belief. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that and why. Well, the guys are just a, just amazing. He's just amazing. And it, it pretty much, um, it's, a, it's not, not an easy book to read necessarily, Um but he's pretty much saying that um, our genes, the, the way we think and the environment that we put ourselves in and, and how we live our lives has a massive, well, it's, it's a ridiculous amount of influence, like in the 90% or something, about how our genes express themselves. So the way we think about things subconsciously influences how we live. We, we live in a fear-driven society, and if we only knew how much impact that was having on us on a subconscious level... And how that's kind of causing us to manifest the illness and the ill health and, you know, the rubbishy relationships and everything else. And we we perhaps do a little bit more work on ourselves and uh, clean up the mess. Oh, that's really interesting. I read something this morning, actually, something similar. So it's almost like your your expectations are driving your your what happens in your life effectively. Well, it's expect you know, bad things. Bad things will happen. Yeah, you know? well, we all meet know someone, don't we? Who says, "Oh, no, my luck," or you, know, you just think, "Well, you know, if that's what you believe. Hey ho, that's what's going to happen. You can't you can't argue with it." No. And ninety five percent of our choices are made subconsciously. It's only five percent of us is conscious. So it's that subconscious stuff, the programming that went in when we were little little people, given to us by caregivers and you know uh, the, the biggest influence in our lives, social influences. That's that's where the the problems come in, and that's where we need to be doing the work, which is why I love working with bodies. Ah, brilliant. Okay, I shall put a link to that in the show notes. The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton. Perfect. Okay, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever had, and why? <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. I know. The best piece of I think it's um. It's be it's be true to yourself. I think it's it's really easy to um, read all the you know the books and business and what to do and how to emulate people, but in the end, you know you're enough. Nice. You know, there, there, there's never been and never will be another version of you. Yeah. On the planet ever, and that's like there's there's a reason for that. Um, I think you know when when you're when you're true to yourself, then you will attract the people you're meant to work with. You know, clients and yes. and advisors alike. Yes. Um, 
yeah, I think that would probably be the best piece of advice. It's very easy. I saw a lady in a group recently, and she was, she was a photographer, and she said she was in a photography, it was a Facebook photography group, and they were saying, oh, you need to do this, you need to present your material like this, you need to charge this, this, and this for it. And she said, no, no, that feels right. She said, I'm trying to fit in. I said, no, 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 that's, like, that's not you. Yeah. You know, charge what you like. Well, yeah. they tell me I'm underselling. Well, is that, that may be true or may not, but it's like, be true. Just do it. Just yeah. do what's right for you. Yeah, no, that's very cool. That's very cool. Okay, last question. If you could have one mentor, uh, alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? This is why I say Sarah Archer. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, gosh, that's a really good question, isn't it? Oh, God, who would it be? Who would it be? I'd love Tony Robbins, you know? Yes, uh, yeah, Tony lots Robbins. of people have Tony, yeah. Yeah, possibly... Um, uh, probably someone perhaps spiritual as well. I'm trying to think who would I pick. I don't know. Why would you have Tony? What's what's your... Oh, the guy's just like a bundle of awesomeness, isn't he? Yeah. He's just he's just amazing. His self discipline and yeah, he's just great. Just cuts right to the chase. And no, there's no bullshit there. Is yeah, there? it just yeah. is. He just I mean, seen him. I've never been to one of his seminars, but. Um, you know what I've seen him in action uh, on videos is just amazing I'm trying to think of all for that but you did say one so I suppose I'll go with Tony Tony cool brilliant well Catherine now if people do want to book you to speak or in fact want to find out more about the gut or, or get some of the, the pro vitals whatever where's, where's the best place to go um, the, if you're interested to find out a little bit more about colonic hydrotherapy and uh, then go to our website which is thehealthygutclinic.co.uk mm-hmm. and if you would like to book me as a speaker then please go to talkingaboutthebrownstuff.com oh nice dot com. talkingaboutthebrownstuff.com <laughs> excellent cool and are you on social media at all yes I am uh, the, the same on Facebook um, yeah. Healthy Gut Clinic and the Talking About the Brown Stuff and LinkedIn are you on LinkedIn both of those yes and so just look for Catherine Brooke McKenzie. I will put some links in the show notes as well. Thank Brilliant. You. Well, all that's left for me to say is thank you so much for sharing. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know when people, people listening over breakfast might have got a shock today. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, it's been brilliant. And I've absolutely adored working with you as well. I've learned so much and it's, uh, it's been amazing. So thank you for Likewise. sharing. Hey, wasn't that good? I think so. I hope you you got value from the interview and had some aha moments. I know I did. And uh, yeah, it's. I think the takeaway here is that anyone can become a great public speaker. You know, if you get the right frameworks to follow, if you prepare and and build your confidence, and you know, obviously get coaching. That's a good thing. I would say that, but it is. And yeah, if you actually want to start speaking in public or you want to increase your impact and you want some help, then give me a shout. Uh, You can get one-to-one coaching with me or you can join the new online course, which is launching very soon. And you can find out more about both over at saraharcher.co.uk. Also go and check out Catherine's stuff, healthygutclinic.co.uk and talkingaboutthebrownstuff.com. Also, she's got a Facebook page, I think. I think the new site is just getting ready, may not be finished quite yet, but go and check out the Facebook page. And if you're in a company, it's well worth getting Catherine in or someone like her if uh, you aren't in the UK um, because there may be people in your organisation suffering in silence who have the same sorts of troubles and it will let them know that it's okay to talk about this stuff. They don't have to keep it hidden. It used to be the case with mental health that we didn't talk about it. Now it's okay and people can, you know, 
share about what's going on in their lives. And it's important that they feel that they can do that at work um, because they spend so much time there. Excellent. Well, come and say hi to me uh, at Sarah Archer 15 on Instagram or connect on LinkedIn. But as ever, I just want to say thank you so much for listening as usual, wherever you're doing that, uh, in the car, uh, to walk in the dog, at the gym, wherever. Um, If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you like it, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. It just helps other people find it. Cool. All that's left for me to say is have a great rest of the week. And don't forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Thanks for listening to the Speaking Club podcast at www.saraharcher.co.uk.